You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Just because there are miracles happening doesn't mean the minister or the ministry is based upon truth. Did you hear what I said? Just because miracles are happening doesn't mean that minister or ministry has a basis of truth because Satan does counterfeit miracles and he does it to deceive and to lead us astray from a firm foundation of clear truth. Be careful of following after a minister and ministries just because you see miracles. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Danny, he teaches you to be careful about following after miracles. Satan will often do counterfeit miracles in order to deceive and lead you astray. Pastor Danny encourages you to follow after the truth that's found in Scripture. Don't just believe what you can see. Seek true counsel from the wisdom of God's Word. After all, the Bible is a true foundation. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 13 as he begins his message, putting to death relationships that lead us astray. Deuteronomy. We jump ahead to chapter 13, and just a quick reminder, we're doing Old Testament highlights, so there's no need to email me and say that we skipped some chapters, because that's the intention. We're, we're kind of just taking some highlights as the Lord leads and pulling them out as we go through this time through the Old Testament. Before we read our text, Deuteronomy 13, I want to share my favorite sports magazine article, and uh, listen carefully. Even if you've heard it before, you'll, you'll love it again. Now, this message for America's most famous athletes. Someday, you may be invited to fly in the backseat of one of your country's most powerful fighter jets. Many of you already have. John Elway, former NFL quarterback. John Stockton, former NBA great. Tiger Woods, to name a few. If you get this opportunity, let me urge you with the greatest sincerity, move to Guam, change your name, fake your own death. Whatever you do, don't go. I know. The US Navy invited me to try it. I was thrilled, I was pumped, I was toast. I should have known when they told me my pilot would be Chip Biff King of Fighter Squadron 213, Naval Air Station, Oceana, Virginia Beach. Whatever you're thinking a Top Gun named Chief Biff King looks like, triple it. He's about six foot, tan, ice blue eyes, surfer hair, wavy surfer hair, finger crippling handshake, the kind of man who wrestles dyspeptic alligators in his leisure time. If you see this man, run the other way, fast. Biff King was born to fly. Biff was to fly me in an F 
14D Tomcat, a ridiculously powerful $60 million weapon with as much thrust as weight. I was worried about getting airsick, so the night before the flight, I asked Biff if there was something I should eat the next morning. Bananas, he said. For the potassium, I asked. No, Biff said, because they taste about the same coming up as they do going down. <laughs> next morning out on the tarmac, I had on my flight suit with my name sewn over the left breast. No call sign like crash or sticky or lead foot, but still very cool. Carried my helmet on the crook of my arm as Biff had instructed. A fighter pilot named Psycho gave me a safety briefing and then fastened me into my ejection seat, which when employed would egress me out of the plane at such a velocity, I would be immediately knocked unconscious. Just as I was thinking about aborting the flight, the canopy closed over me. Biff gave the ground crew a thumbs up. In minutes, we were firing nose up at 600 miles per hour. We leveled out. Canopy rolled over another F-14. Those 20 minutes were the ride of my life. Unfortunately, the ride lasted 80 minutes. It was like being on the roller coaster at Six Flags Over Hell, <laughs> only without rails. We did barrel rolls, sap rolls, loops, yanks, and banks. We dived, rose, and dived again, sometimes with a vertical velocity of 10,000 feet per minute. We chased another F-14. It chased us. Sea was sky. Sky was sea. Flying at 200 feet, we did 90 degree turns at 550 miles per hour, creating a G-force of 6.5, which is to say I felt as if 6.5 times my body weight was smashing against me. And I egressed the bananas. <laughs> I egressed the pizza from the night before and the lunch before that. I egressed a box of milk duds from the sixth grade. <laughs> Because of the G's, I was egressing stuff that did not even want to be egressed. I went through not one airsick bag, but two. Biff said I passed out. Twice. I was coated in sweat. At one point, as we were coming in upside down in a bank curve on a mock bombing target, and the G's were flattening me like a tortilla, and I was in and out of consciousness, I realized I was the first person in history to throw down. I used to know cool. Cool was Elway throwing a touchdown pass or Norman making a five iron bite. But now I really know Cool. Cool is guys like Biff, men with cast iron stomachs and Freon nerves. A week later, when the spins finally stopped, Biff called, said he and the fat fighters had the perfect call sign for me, said he'd send it on a patch for my flight suit. What is it? I asked. Two bags. <laughs> when I first read the article years ago, I thought about it, I came back and I wrote on the bottom of the article, tested. I thought a little longer and I put, put through the ringer. I thought a little more and I couldn't help it. It just came to me, purged, <laughs> tested. Chapters one through eight of Deuteronomy, we learn from chapter eight, verse two, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your fathers. Remember how the Lord God, your God, led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. And again, not that God needed to know what was in our heart. No, he wanted us to know. He wants us to know what's in our heart. 
So God tests. There's a fine line between testing and temptation. James chapter one, God doesn't tempt anyone. He tests. The devil tempts. And sometimes the experience is the same where you get testing from God, but there's temptation from the enemy as well. I mean, in the creation, when God created Adam and Eve, he put them in paradise in what's called the Garden of Eden. And there in paradise, remember he said, eat any of, from any of the trees in the garden, but there's one tree, one tree you're not to eat from. Now, where was that tree? In the middle, the very middle of the garden. If I was on God's board, I would have suggested put that tree somewhere where now we're not going to see it, we're not going to walk past it, but that's not what God did. He put that tree right in the middle of the garden. Why? It's a test. It's a test. It's a test of love. Our chapter before us, Deuteronomy 13, the whole chapter deals with testing, but testing of a specific kind. Testing in regard to relationships, and it's challenging. Satan most often uses people to tempt us. I don't know if you've discovered that, but it's certainly true. Uh, you don't need to turn to it, but Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 12 is a great, great scripture. It's a great one to meditate on. It's a great one to memorize. And it goes like this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And of course, it applies to relationships, and it especially applies to believers, Christians, we need one another. Now, chapter 13, Deuteronomy, if a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place, and he says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is, here it is, He's testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It's the Lord your God you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commands, obey him, serve him, hold fast to him. And then, under the old covenant, it's pretty heavy, but verse 5, that prophet or dreamer must be put to death because he preached rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, redeemed you from the land of slavery. He's tried to turn you from the way the Lord your God commanded you to follow. You must purge the evil from among you. Now, it's hard for me to imagine living under the old covenant where you actually killed a false prophet or someone that was attempting to lead you astray. Uh, and while that's hard to really you know, identify with, and, and thank God we're not under the old covenant, uh, it does tell us how, seriously, uh, how serious the situation was. Very serious. And in the New Testament, Colossians 3, verse 5, God says there, in regard to our earthly nature, our fleshly nature, our old nature, uh, we are to put to death, put to death whatever belongs to our earthly nature. So that's pretty heavy, uh, put to death. Jesus said, if your hand or your foot, and one, uh, one verse he said, or your eye, it, it offends you, cut your hand off, cut your foot off, pluck your eye out. That's pretty, pretty heavy language. So even though the new covenant 
Under the new covenant, thank God, we would not literally take someone's life who was trying to lead us astray, false prophet, etc. We must be careful to put to death that relationship. That relationship. Don't listen to them. Don't follow them. Paul, boy, he was really serious in the opening of Galatians because the Galatians had, had been led astray from the truth of the gospel. And Paul opens up and he says, if, if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned, as we've already said. So now I say again, if anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. That's New Testament, but that's heavy. We're not to take their life, but we're certainly not to wish them well. Wish them Godspeed. No, 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 no. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1 There were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They'll secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. They'll deny the absolute deity of Jesus Christ. Verse two, many will follow their shameful ways. Did I read that right? Many will follow their shameful ways? Many. And will bring the way of the truth in disrepute. Jesus said in Matthew 7, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like one of us, but they're not. Inwardly, Jesus said they are ferocious wolves. Matthew 24, Jesus said, false Christ, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, those that are really saved, if that were possible. See, I've told you ahead of time. Told you ahead of time. 2 Thessalonians, and I know I'm going fast here, chapter 2, the coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, deceives them. Remember the story of Moses, Exodus, chapter 7? I love this story, Exodus chapter 7, and Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh, And verse 8 of Exodus 7, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff, throw it down before Pharaoh, and it'll become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. How cool is that? Well, not too cool, because I don't like snakes, but still cool. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret or magic arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. Wow. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. You get to verse 19. Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. So Moses and Aaron did as the Lord had commanded, raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials, struck the water of the Nile, all the water was changed into blood. But then you get to verse 22. But the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret or magic arts. Wow. You get to chapter 8. Verse five, Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. 
And then chapter eight, verse 16, the Lord said, tell Aaron, stretch out your staff, strike the dust of the ground. Dust will become gnats. Aaron does it. The gnats appear. And here's where Satan's limited. Verse 18, when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not because Satan can't produce life out of death. Only God can. But he is powerful. He is powerful. This first deception, Deuteronomy 13, I call it ministry deception. Listen very carefully. And I know I'm talking to a lot of mature believers here. You've been down the road a few years with the Lord. Nevertheless, we need to hear this, all of us. Just because there are miracles happening doesn't mean the minister or the ministry is based upon truth. Did you hear what I said? Just because miracles are happening doesn't mean that minister or ministry has a basis of truth because Satan does counterfeit miracles and he does it to deceive and to lead us astray from a firm foundation of clear truth. And I'm, I'm grieved over the years. I've been in ministry a long time now and I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen people that are now believing things that if you told me, you know, years before it happened that they would come to believe something as ludicrous as they've come to believe, I would say, you're crazy. But I've watched it. People that have been involved in our ministry that no longer believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They were involved here. They ministered here. God used them. And now they're believing things. They have no foundation in the word of God. Be careful. Don't be led astray just by the miraculous or uh, an experience. No, hey, hey, our foundation is truth. I love what somebody said, if I can remember it right. Christians aren't to follow signs. Signs are to follow Christians. That's a good statement. Christians aren't to follow signs. Signs are to follow Christians. So watch out for ministry or personal ministry deception. Now back to Deuteronomy 13, verse 6. If your very own brother or your son or daughter or the wife you love, now you could switch that, or the husband you love, could be either, or your closest friend secretly entices you saying, let us go and worship other gods, gods that neither you nor your fathers have known, gods of the peoples around you, whether near or far from one end of the land or the other. Do not yield to him or listen to him. Show him no pity. And again, hard to relate to this old covenant stuff, but do not spare him or shield him. This is what you do. You must certainly put him to death. Your hand must be the first in putting him to death and then the hands of all the people. Stone him to death because he tried to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Then all Israel will hear and be afraid and no one among you will do such an evil thing again. It'll be a deterrent. The first I call ministry deception, but this gets much more personal. Brother, daughter, spouse, closest friend. Not just a close friend, your closest friend. This is family and friend deception. Look with me quickly, and we'll come back to the text in Deuteronomy. But John chapter 7, John chapter 7, verse 1, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers, these are his half-brothers technically, these are other children that were born to Joseph and Mary. 
his brother said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. But they're trying to get him. They're trying to, they're mockingly saying this, but they're trying to get him to, to go. Just go. Just go. But if he goes, it's out of the will of God. Therefore, Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right, because they don't have the Holy Spirit. They're not being led of the Lord. For you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I'm not yet going up to this feast because for me, the right time has not yet come. And the point of reading that, hopefully you got it, Jesus did not let even his own earthly brothers influence his decisions. He didn't allow them to. He didn't allow that pressure. And listen, it was pressure. Even though he's Jesus Christ, the son of God, he's still fully human. He didn't allow his brothers to influence him, to go a direction, to take a step that was not in the will of God. When I was in high school, my closest friend at the time, Randy Truitt, introduced his older, older brother, Ricky, to drugs. At the time, Ricky was what we would call a redneck where I come from. And technically, I wasn't a redneck where I where I grew up. I, I make jokes sometimes, call myself a redneck, but technically the rednecks hung out at a, a, a place called the Rainbow Drive-In. They listened to a different music, mostly country, and now we call it what country, and used to be called country and western, now I think you just call it country. I don't think it's politically correct to call it country and western, is it? Thank you. And I didn't call it that, I asked a question. But we listened to you know rock and roll, and Black Sabbath and those kind of things, and, and it was just two different groups. Two different groups. Every now and then we'd drive around the rainbow just to see what was happening and look at the guns in the back of the pickups. And uh, every now and then somebody from the rainbow would drive around Roost Drive-In. Roost Drive-In is where I hung out. Well, Randy was a Roost Drive-In guy, but he kind of mixed in with both. And his brother Ricky was a rainbow drive-in guy, totally. And his thing was drinking beer, drinking liquor, and listening to country music. And Randy introduced his older brother to drugs, the kind of drugs that we were doing at the time. Ricky, a few years later, took his own life. One of the saddest things. I still have trouble with that because I feel like I was a part of leading him down a wrong path. Thank God for grace. Thank God for forgiveness. Two years ago, Randy died he was addicted to crystal meth. He was dealing crystal meth. His wife died about a year before him. She also an addict. I tell you that sad story because had I not severed my relationship with Randy when I became a Christian, who knows? Who knows? Who knows where I'd be? A brother, family member. A spouse. Here's what the Bible tells us about Solomon. As Solomon grew old, 1 Kings 11 verse 4, his wives turned his heart after other gods. Lot, the story of Lot, and we're not going to turn to the story. I, I don't want to assume everybody knows it, but Lot, Abraham's nephew, they left on their journey of faith together, and as God blessed them, they had to part 
company because there was quarreling over Lot's servants, by Lot's servants and Abraham's servants. And Abraham, if you know the story, said, Lot, you just choose which way you're going to go and I'll go the other way. And Lot looked and he chose where the grass was greener, down towards Sodom. We're so glad you joined us today on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You're also invited to join our Bible reading plan. Just look under the resources tab on our website for more information. This is a great way to dive into the Word. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of this program? You never know how someone might be impacted by hearing about God and His Word over the radio. So please pray that anyone listening today would be open to hearing the gospel message. We ask that you pray for soft hearts and receptive minds to the grace that Jesus offers to everyone. Please pray also for us, that we'd continue seeking God's will for this program, and that we'd have the courage to follow Him wherever He leads. As you pray, please let us know if God would lead you to support The Living Word financially. If you'd like to give any amount to this ministry, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the Give tab. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. We appreciate you tuning in. Pastor Danny will share more next time right here on The Living Word.